0: Speaking about writing, I remember there was a quote, I don't know who was, I mean, of course, all quotes are attributed to uh, Hemingway at some point, but um, <laughs> I only write when I'm inspired. Luckily, uh-huh. inspiration hits always at 9 a.m. in the, uh, every morning. <laughs> <laughs> he just sits down and writes.
1: Write drunk, edit sober.
0: Yeah, very good, very good. <laughs> hey there, back, we are the podcast and I am Michael. And I'm Radik, and we are discussing productivity, books we've read, everything that is interesting for us, and we think might be interesting for you. Right, that's
1: that's what we do, like a bit of everything, which is yeah. called the podcast.
0: That's why it's called the podcast because it's the podcast you should be listening to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's the plan. Yeah, we we try, we try. Yeah, and actually,
0: actually, over the last fifty episodes, we've come a long way from just chatting about anything about gadgets, and we um, are like we really like to talk about books because I think we both like reading books, which means we like listening to audiobooks actually. Mm -hmm. And um, eh, I don't remember in which episode, but you gave me this piece of advice that if I'm listening to an audiobook after each listening session. I should be, um, you know, jotting some notes, you know, what I've just listened to. And uh, I have um, an Evernote uh, note uh, as a shortcut like very, that I can access very quickly. I just, uh, so every, after each listening session, I write things down. And um, especially now that the recent books I've been reading were very, very interesting. Uh, so I've got lots of notes, which is helpful then to just, you know, go through them after you've read the book.
1: Yeah, certainly. And we'll link to the episode when we discuss that and also why uh, we listen to audiobooks in particular and how we got to the like 30 books a year pace for the new listeners. Yep. Um, And today we wanted to talk about a book we both recently read, which is called Originals.
0: Yep. And Actually, you recommended the book to me eh, as far as I remember.
1: Uh, yeah I think so I I think I found it uh, through Amazon recommendations and it looked interesting so I just read it not expecting too much out of it I, I thought it, it was a lighter read but there was a lot of um, good stuff a lot of good advice in it
0: yeah I mean just um, as I you know as I started listening to the to the um, to the book you know in in, in the very first chapters um, it was uh, very reassuring because the guy was actually uh, giving examples of successful entrepreneurs, while actually, um, you know, uh, telling the story of my life, which was uh, which I found uh-huh. really uh, fascinating, because in the very beginning of the book he said that um, contrary to popular belief, the entrepreneurs, the ones that are actually changing the world and doing really. Great stuff, uh, are not such risk takers as we think they are. They are uh, like bal- it's a balancing act between you know uh, taking risk and then doing doing something risky on one side and then doing something not risky on the other. And right. the examples he gave were people who had steady jobs or had secured jobs while still trying to pursue a dream. And um, it was exactly how Nosby happened, how how our our current business happened. It right. was because I had. A steady, you know, a steady um, portfolio of clients as a, as a consultant, and up until like four pm, I was working my day job as a consultant, and then after uh, four pm, I would actually put on a badge that I got from a conference, which which put. No, Michael Slewinsky CEO Nosby and I was <laughs> the only person in, in my company so like yeah, I was the CEO, why not? And I was working from 4 p.m until uh, 7 or uh, 8 p.m when my wife came from work uh, like on the side and it was a side project for the first year of running Nosby and right. then and then after the first year I decided to actually pursue Nosby full-time. So it took me a while and I did exactly what uh, the book said. Right.
1: So it's like from the very start, Nosby has been profitable from day one. Like the only thing you are risking uh, is your time and attention. Like there was uh, opportunity cost for sure, but it's not as if you uh, just throughout your whole life, uh, uh, you know, uh, just stopped working on, on uh, at your real job. I mean, you were a consultant, so you're still kind of on your own, but it was already yep. working, right? You already had that. You had a, a steady income and you didn't give it up, right? You, you, you didn't take some bold, uh, ridiculous risks, right? You just tried things on the side and it worked. And if it didn't, it would be fine yeah and, the, and the,
0: the, of course and the best thing was that I actually built Nosby for myself because I, I I had problems managing my projects with my current clients so I actually built Nosby to be able to manage that. So I knew that the product worked for me, but I just didn't know how much it would work for you know everybody else you know if, if there will be other Michaels right. in the world to actually you know use uh, Nosby as much as I uh, liked using it. So yes, um, I um, I even you know I even started I mean just the funny story here, I even, st- set up Nosby on a shared server I already had which was actually you know paid in full by my you know day job you know so right, I right. didn't even you know invest a dime in a in a different server or anything like that you know in the very first months of Nosby so so really
1: I just it was just my time right i mean that's kind of the thing when we think of entrepreneurship we sometimes see this uh, ridiculous risk takers that uh, that make these bold, super risky moves, and there are some people like that, right? <laughs> like if you if you look at uh, I don't know Elon Musk, there are certain places in his history which was like ridiculously um, risky. I mean, starting both SpaceX and Tesla is like a ridiculously risky idea. Like it's yeah. it's a it's a miracle both of these worked. Yeah, and of is. course. Everyone still predicts doom of them, and maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong But, but like, the point is, uh, th- there's this idea that all entrepreneurs are like that And it's not necessarily true, right? Yeah, uh, And in fact, um, most entrepreneurs are not necessarily like that They take risks, but they're calculated And they're sometimes less risky than, than we think Because if you have a, a, a cushion, if you, if, if you can afford to fail then you can be risky, but it's not really that risky because if you fail, that's still fine, right? You're not on the street.
0: Yeah, and it brings me also to this idea. I mean, to a different example of um, a blogger that we know from 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 Poland, actually, Michał Szafrański. Uh, he's a very famous blogger now, but um, in, in Poland, and he um, he was he had a very well paid job, and he actually quit his work. Uh, he started his blog, but then, uh, of course, for a few months, and then he decided, I'm gonna do it full-time, I'm going to do it in full. But the, actually, the only risk he was taking was the fact that he wouldn't, you know, earn money for a few months, right? right. But but he knew that if, you know, uh, he gave himself, like, time, I think a year or something to to try it out, you know, to, to be a full-time blogger. And he said that in, if, if if he, you know, after a year, he, he wouldn't see, you know, any success coming in and any money coming in, he would just apply for a different job, and because he he was you know he was good at his you know previous job, he he knew that he would actually find employment, no problem. So so the only you know risk that he did t- 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 took was you know try it out for a year, like do a sabbatical kind of, in his and but but mm. knowing that he has a cushion, has a financial cushion for the for the year, and if does if, if this doesn't work out, he he will just get a different job and everything will be fine.
1: Right, and. An important reason why this is a good idea uh, to like take calculated risk is that um, most businesses fail. Yeah. and if you if you take as a bold risk, then you know if, if you do so, something super risky, then you you have a uh, you have two problems. like not only are you doing something that's unlikely to succeed, and you're doing something super risky and if you fail you're really screwed right and like the the thing about taking like calculated risk and being this entrepreneur uh, that, that, that the book describes is that you can afford to fail because you can try things and do things that are supposedly risky but they're not so risky because you can afford to fail
0: and again, uh, bringing back to my example, uh, uh, right now, after so many years of running Nosby, people come to me and say, Michael, you've been success- successful. You have this Nosby thing. Very well done, you. Actually, what they don't know is that I actually set up my consultancy, like, you know, I, I was a consultant uh, from the year 2000. Uh, and right. I launched Nosby in 2007. In the meantime, on the side, I launched three different internet projects, all of them failed. <laughs> and right. uh, again, I could fail because I did them also like on the side also um, uh, like in the afternoons and I tried I learned something new it failed it didn't work so uh, you know I failed my way, way forward actually you know and then in in 2007 I launched Nosby and it worked and then then I switched uh, I I I removed you know myself from the consultant consultancy and worked on Nosby full time but until then I had three failures, and as you said, I could afford to fail because I still had my day job to protect me and to just uh, you know let me keep trying keep experimenting.
1: right, and since launching Nosby, there's been at least I know of two projects which uh, you've tried, like Nosby tried, there were different things from Nosby, and they both failed. Yeah, but it was it's okay right we, yeah. we tried
0: yeah i mean we you know we spent you know we spent time and money on these things but they they failed we decided okay no problem let's just keep doing what we're doing and um uh, and keep trying things and we we still keep trying things i know even you know for for, for us you know like the new version of us can, can can be like a risky you know endeavor so like right. um but again it's it's good that we have the cushion. We have the current customers. We have a, 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 like a revenue model, so that this way we can also try new things. And I think we we owe it to the world to try new things and and, and um, keep improving people's well people's lives. Right, right,
1: All right, But but that's just a one minor idea from the book. There's yeah. been a lot. So um, what else have you have you found interesting?
0: So uh, something that. Uh, has been repeated over and over in many other books, like this idea of you know ten thousand hours to be become proficient and whatnot, Malcolm Gladwell thing. So that you have so the idea that you have to spend you know ten thousand hours to be proficient in something. Um, it wasn't mentioned in the book, I think, but it, it brought you know I got the idea back because one of the things that the, the book mentioned was that lots of geniuses had their best work when they were working the most. You know, so like, like right. in the time spent and when they were, when they were the most productive, like, like they were doing most output, lots of the output was rubbish, was really bad. But right. some of the things were just jams, and then these jams created this person that we know, that we think is a genius now, right? So so, um, so they were doing lots of... It's like we, what we do, uh, Radek, I think, you know, when we, are, when we are doing this podcast, we have, you know, worse and better episodes. Uh, the same goes to uh, blogging or to, you know, doing our work. But sometimes, you know, something is really good, something is really, it's not really that good. But because we keep on doing, we keep on shipping things, it's what, what Seth Godin always says, keep shipping that some right. of the things are really great and i really like that idea because um it proves the point that uh, that you know that uh, it's not like these geniuses were born geniuses just because of that you know they really you know t- had to try hard you know learn things learn through mistakes you know have this cadence of 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 shipping of doing things to mm. to 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 enable them to just to be great
1: right but it it, it really ch- for me it challenged this idea that um, that quality versus quantity is a dichotomy. Yeah, because it it it, it, it made this quite compelling argument that uh, quality often is is a result of quantity, right? If you if you have this mindset that you can only ship uh, work that's like the best, then oftentimes you end up not shipping at all or shipping so um, infrequently, that you'll never stumble across the thing that's great, right? Yep. And, and and like one of the 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 key arguments is that we are terrible, terrible at judging the quality of our own ideas. Oh yes, right. And so, and so we we sometimes like uh, think that that things that are great are actually not so great, and things that turn out to be like mediocre, we think like this is a great idea. So we like polish and polish those things we we think are best. And sometimes it turns out they're actually pretty mediocre, and the things we ignore—they they could be those gems, right? And like, there's there's a lot of nuance in this, but it's been an interesting like mental model to have that. Actually, uh, sometimes you like you shouldn't be too much of a of a perfectionist because you have to generate a lot of ideas. You have to create and create and ship and ship and ship because it create, creates a greater pool of ideas. Some of them are going to be bad. Um, even if if you're a creative genius, uh, but but some of them will be really good. And the more you create, um, the the greater the chances that some of those ideas are are going to be really really good. I had the, I had the pleasure of interviewing one of the
0: uh, of a really prolific writers, um, for the Practive Magazine for the recent uh, uh, issue of Practive Magazine. We'll link to this in the show notes, and he he always. I mean, he challenged me then already before I read the book that that uh, people tell him that because he's outputting so many words, they it, it cannot be good, you know. It has to be rubbish, you know. And and he proves the point that actually no, that actually because he's producing uh, so many words and so many you know so many books, actually they are good because he finds a way to actually make them better and better. So like I really liked. Um, I mean, it's a very good interview with with this guy. He was uh, I, I was just surprised. I mean, how many things he challenged. And right. speaking about writing, I remember there was a quote, I don't know who was, I mean, of course, all quotes are attributed to Hemingway at some point, but <laughs> um, I don't remember who was that, but there was, there somebody said that, I only write when I'm inspired. Luckily, uh-huh. inspiration hits always at 9am in the, every morning. <laughs> <laughs> he just sits down and writes. Right and 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 and, and, you know. <laughs> and that's
1: it. <laughs> so, so actually, I'll mention a, a book which we'll probably also discuss, um, which is also on a similar topic. Uh, I've just finished called "How to Fly a Horse," and and, and there's been this uh, this chapter which uh, which mentioned like the idea of a writer's block, and like actually, uh, the thing of writer's block, it's it's actually not writer's block. Writer's block doesn't exist. It's write stuff I think is good. Block. Right, like the 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 problem is that if we have this idea that I can only ship things that are are perfect, then we block ourselves. But it's not real. We just have to ship and you know and write more, and like we don't have to even publish all of it. Right, like the, the, the there's a balance to be struck there. I'm 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 not saying like um like you shouldn't go too far in this direction either. But it, it's a it's an important thought to keep in mind. Right, but but the idea is is that. Sometimes you have to generate a bunch of garbage uh, that you can have as star- a starting point, and then try to polish that. Or maybe uh, because you wrote it, you'll ha- you'll be inspired to make something better. But 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 don't just like block yourself because you 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 feel like you can't create something that's good.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's 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 really uh, it's this, this, that's why, for example, when you write, I mean, lots of you know people tell you that when you're writing, don't edit. Just write, you know. Editing right. is a different—it's uh, actually a different, you know—part of brain that actually is responsible for editing. So just, just, just don't, you know. Don't juggle this, you know. Write first, and then edit later, you know. So this way, you won't be judging what you're writing. You will be just writing, and then, you know, when you're editing, then you will be judging, and then you will be, you know, throwing things away. But, right. but this is also a very important exercise.
1: Uh, write drunk, edit sober.
0: Yeah, <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah. So, so the, 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 there's also been this another idea which I found interesting, which is um, to procrastinate strategically.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to say that. Very good. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Like, um, so, so that's an interesting concept. Like, we we see procrastination as like universally bad, but it's more like procrastination is bad for productivity, but it can be good for creativity. Right? like th- th- there's been this phrase which I love which is productive mediocrity right you, 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 you try to so it's kind of actually the opposite of, of the previous thing right like you, you try to be productive all the time and 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 like create at at your your highest levels of performance uh, but but you you never end up doing something good because you never have time to think you never have time to um, to let ideas like incubate and, and like and like uh, think in different directions you just Decide on something too quickly and like, you know, set yourself that this is what I'm doing and then your your mind is like locked on it and you won't notice other ideas that, that might be uh, important.
0: Yeah, that was also this thing mentioned later in the book, uh, the thing that sometimes we just want to close, we, this thing of closure, we want to just have a closure as soon as possible. But like... I would just give you a perfect example of procrastination in practice. So based on 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 my um, uh, on my history, just today and yesterday. So tonight, uh, actually uh, tonight, uh, Polish time, I'm actually doing a webinar for uh, Polish Nosby users about communicating through tasks and um, for this webinar of course i need to be prepared and i need to have a presentation ready and i need to know what i'll be you know talking about and everything so what i did was i actually uh, strategically prepared my work like this like yesterday i did an outline of the presentation because i mean i have all these bits and pieces you know in lots of places so i decided to do the outline you know in in the mind mapping software Um, yesterday uh, in the afternoon i spent like i think an hour just outlining this thing, you know what I like, what I'll be doing, what I'll be talking about, and that's it. I stopped. I did the outline. I, I read it through. I stopped. That's it. Thank you. So I let it, you know, sink in. Then today in the morning, I uh, went back to the outline, read it through again, and then I actually uh, did a, a, a Zoom conference call with my marketing team. And just uh, show them. I mean, I sent them the outline first, and I ran through the outline and told them what I will be telling the people, you know, on the webinar, right? Without having the presentation ready yet, just I, I just had the outline, and then after that, I mean, during the presentation, mean, during my you know presentation, running through the outline, they gave me lots of feedback. So I I, I just you know put things in a bit, a bit different. I mean, this is a good thing of the mind mapping. So I just put things in a different order, added something else, removed something. So we discussed a few a few things. And then that's it. Uh, we stopped the the, um, the call. I went to get a coffee, you know, <laughs> again, let it sink <laughs> in. I came back, and then I started doing the keynote. And then I, I did the key I did the presentation right now. I'm I'm I have it like ninety nine percent ready right now. And now I'm doing the podcast with you. So right. after the podcast, uh, I, I have to go out. But then I'm gonna be you know finishing all the presentation and going through it again. So I really divided the time. To actually do the presentation, and I'm gonna run through the presentation in the evening. So the thing is that you know, I think, and it it's great, and 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 every time I I I I I um I start working on it again, every time I have some a few new ideas, I am changing something else. Like I see right right how it's getting better. You know the, the, because I divided this into these you know procrastination blocks.
1: <laughs> right, right. So for me. I see this as another proof, like why it's important to read a lot and not just sometimes, because there 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 are some like little bits of like very important truth in in this idea, uh, but the book I think failed to uh, convey some nuance mm-hmm. a- a- about this and explain like when you should procrastinate and when you shouldn't to kind of explain like what the point actually is. Mm-hmm. And so, For example, as I've been reading How to Fly a Horse, uh, there's been some like partially um, c- contradictory uh, ideas uh, to this, but they were not really contradictory. They were like, um, they were adding uh, to, 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 to each other. They were complementing uh, each other. And so what I mean is, um, it, it's, it's an important idea, but you have to know when to procrastinate strategically, right? Like, when you have something that you just have to do, um, don't procrastinate, right? Because you you, you need productivity, yeah, right? right? And so you have to do it. And don't procrastinate um, to to just start, because again, you have to create a lot of things, and you, you can't just wait for the moment of inspiration to create something great. You have to work and work and work and work, right? Uh, but, but but then the uh, i think the, the the key idea here is that um you have to deliberately stop like halfway through the process when you already started the work and you already have some possible directions in which to go you already have a first draft or first whatever and then then you need uh some space right so you need some space to to let those sink in to um to allow yourself not to like Pick the, the the thing you think is best at the moment. You write it, but when it already becomes um, neutral, when you when you don't feel like oh I just made it, this is the best idea. Like no, let it sink in and and let uh, you know let yourself like randomly come up with uh, new ideas. To, like promote divergent thinking, like in different directions to solve the same problem, and then like try to integrate again. So like procrastinate strategically like that's that's the key word I mean just like in my example you know I did the, the, an entire outline
0: yesterday so I just didn't you know start a little bit and whatnot you know and then I just right. started not to do it no I did the entire outline of the entire presentation yesterday the entire thing but then after I've had, I had it done I paused I stopped you know and then I reviewed the outline with my team and then I stopped and then I started doing the pre- like it like, I did it in chunks, and I think this is something that uh, that, the, that the author is saying. And on, on top of that, we talked about morning rituals in one of our past episodes. And um, uh, one of the key ideas of morning ritual and evening ritual is that, for example, what I do every night is I put my three most important tasks for the next day, um, like I write them down uh, in my journal in the evening, again, because I want them to sink in when I'm sleeping. So, like in the morning, I'm focused on these three tasks. I have them in front of my eyes, and I have them because I've been, you know, sleeping over them uh, in the meantime.
1: Yeah, maybe I'm. I'm not so sure if this is an actual thing. Uh, I, I I think the, the the key here is that you've pre decided on something, so you don't have to make the decision in, in the morning. That's true. Uh, but but maybe you're right. Maybe uh, maybe it does help, like just for this reason also. Well, that's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. So another thing I, I found uh interesting. Mm, so there's been like uh, another like section of the book about voicing and championing uh, new ideas, right? Mm-hmm. And and the, the 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 thing that that really struck me was this notion that um agents of change really tend to under communicate their vision. Right, and th- th- there's been this this uh, this metaphor it is um, like when you when you ask someone to think of of a, of a melody they know and like just just tap it out on a table with your fingers, and when you do it, like you hear the melody in your brain as you're tapping it out, so you feel like it makes sense, it's 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 good, right? I'm I'm good at this, but then other people they don't hear the melody. They don't, they don't sit inside your, your brain, they only hear the, 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 the tapping and they very rarely can actually recognize what the hell you're trying to tap out, right? And like, uh, this metaphor was, was meant to say, is like, uh, people who have new ideas tend to like share tiny bits and pieces of, of their ideas and vision and can be frustrated that there's no change, that people don't get it, that people ignore it. But the thing is that we really tend to under communicate it. we We see in our brains more than people on the outside. And so we have to we have to expose people uh, to more and more things, right? You have to mention it you know briefly at first and then again and again and explain it, and then people will will get it and not just assume that just because you have the idea, and you explain in a few words that it's enough to make a change
0: it's um, i i see that you know every uh, I, every time i'm preparing myself for this um uh for you know for any kind of speech or for example like you know tonight's webinar uh when i do, i was doing the outline i also had to figure out i mean because i know this so well that i i might take shortcuts and I, right. and I and I mustn't take shortcuts. I have to explain it very well to the people who are who would be exposed for the first time to this, you know? Because mm. I think that they think that I mean, this thing that I'm saying actually, it's so obvious, you know. I'm sometimes I feel like embarrassed that I'm gonna just be talking about such obvious things, but they're right. obvious to me because I've been, you know, in this industry for years. But for them, this is a new concept. Like um I, I'm sometimes stunned when I when I explain something for me which is for me ba- basic, for them it's like an aha moment and it's the other way around if somebody explains me their you know thing and I'm like whoa this is new for me and I'm like and they're like come on this is obvious so that's the thing and 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 uh, and it's hard it's actually hard to put yourself you know in, in 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 the recipients shoes and actually
1: try to just start from the beginning right uh, this is why um knowing a lot about something is not the same as being good at at teaching it, right, like, being good at something is not the same as being good at, at teaching it, because th- the way like, knowledge we just you know, stuff we just know is kind of structured in our in our minds the way we already have all of these nodes of knowledge connecting together it's not the same, like, it won't it will make no sense for other people because they don't have the foundation, they don't have the ideas, like, underneath and, and above it, so, like, you have to deconstruct it and 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 say it in a very different way, and like explain it much more than what's enough for you to explain to yourself, right? Because you already get it, right? But other people don't. They it's it's a new idea for them.
0: Yeah, totally, and and that's why it's uh it's yeah this example with tapping was really good. I mean, it really showed me like you know you see these things in your mind, but they don't, and don't assume they do
1: right uh, and, and there's this idea you probably heard of it uh, called uh, the mere exposure effect and, and like it, it's so s- such a such an like important um, bias to be aware of um, people like things they they know you know exposure and familiarity causes us to like things more right and so again you have to you have to communicate your ideas much more often uh, than you think is necessary. I mean, overexposure is a real thing, but in practice, it rarely happens, right? You'd have to try really hard to hammer people with your ideas so hard that they'd be tired of you. In reality, the way it usually happens is you mention it once or twice without explaining it properly, and you're surprised why nothing changed, right? But so if you want to spread the idea, you have to you have to seed it, right? You have to, like, just mention it briefly at first. Like, have the idea, like, seed it in people's minds uh, so they're exposed to it. And they expose them again and again, like, you know, 10 times maybe. And, like, mix it in with, with other stuff. Like, let, let those ideas kind of incubate and, and make them familiar w- with them. And connect them with ideas they already understand. And only only then, right? Only then, like, pitch it. And push it like for real. Once they uh, already already have the exposure and familiarity to think it makes sense that it's a good idea and not some something crazy. I think you know in the, in this startup
0: world, um, uh, very often uh, the press um, um, press was asking you know like a brief pitch of uh, a brief brief pitch of what you're doing, like you know. I am building a YouTube for something, you know, like I'm a building a, an Uber for something on Airbnb for something, so that people can relate to something, you know, to an idea, and then get uh, get what you actually want to accomplish, right? It's right. Uh, it's like it's like it's like you on WWDC telling people, "I work for Nosby. What does Nosby do? Uh, we are Basecamp, just better, <laughs> right?" So, so like trying <laughs> to <laughs> trying to. Uh, uh, Make people relate to something, and then you know, pitch them the idea. Yeah, I guess, I guess. Um, one of the things I also, I think it was in, the, in this book as well, was about the, the the group thing, right? The group thing, right? Yes. Yeah. So. I was really anxious when I was reading this, uh, I mean reading, listening to this uh, uh, chapter because um, we have this. Um, we talked about it on the on the show. There is an episode that we like to fight, and we have uh, the the this committee of design fighters. So we um, every Wednesday we have a design fight, which is a meeting that we um, and we discuss the future of our application. Whether we discuss features, we discuss other things, and there is like a group, you know, a group of people, and there is the VP of product. Um, there is uh, a, a, there are two designers, the chief designer and the other designer, um, the VP of style, and then there is you, there's me, and there is the VP of support. So we have right. like, people from different parts of the company talking about things. And um, when I was reading it, uh, when I was listening, um, they, they, there was this idea of groupthink, and and um, of of. Uh, because we respect each other, we have the same like status in the company and whatnot. That we will agree to things, we will not challenge each other. Uh, and and I was I was questioning this and I was thinking about it. But then later in the book, it was actually explained that it's actually not true. When you have people who are comfortable with each other and are are you know are not afraid of their status in the company or their status among among their peers. Um, right. They are likely, likelier, like more likely to actually challenge each other because they know that there's nothing at risk. They can actually, you know, challenge the 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 ideas because they know that the other person will also challenge the ideas. I mean, that they will actually, um, they're on the same footing, so they will not be afraid to 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 really discuss and and challenge each other and and fight with each other. and and I think this is what we have in, on our design fight, that we are not afraid to fight <laughs> with each other because we, have, we are not afraid of our status in the company of, or whatever. We, right. None of us is Donald Trump and saying you're fired. So w- there is no problem with that. So what happens is that we really, because we really have a nice dynamic there. And I was afraid that maybe we're doing something wrong but it actually works. But then the book confirmed actually that what we are doing is, is right and that our meeting makes sense and we know it right. does because we are not afraid to be really, to bluntly say, no, I don't agree. I think it is the other way around or I agree or whatever.
1: It's, it's so, 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 so important. You have to cultivate this culture at, at your company from the very beginning that it's okay to, uh, to be critical. Uh, like it's it's necessary exactly. You, you need to welcome critical opinions. You need to celebrate dissent, right? And like people are so much more creative when there's dissent. But there has to be this feeling that people are looking out for each other. That we're not enemies. That 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 we're cool. Like it has to be understood. Like it's not natural for people. Uh, most organizations are broken like that. That they can't do it. People when when people hear uh criticism they they think it's personal. They're criticizing me. My ideas are, are me. And if if you want to to have a creative organization that's going anywhere, it, it's extremely important that you separate those two. That you make it clear for everyone that we're we respect each other deeply on a personal level, but all of our ideas, they're not us. They're our ideas. Well they're not even you know <laughs> It's not that important that they're our ideas. They're just ideas, and we criticize not ourselves. We criticize our ideas, and we challenge them, and we uh, we're critical of them, and we like you know push them around and see what happens because they're just ideas. Uh, ideas are, are are worthless, right? It's only when when you find the right one and execute it, only that's valuable, right? It it doesn't matter what's your what your status is like whether you think your idea is great or not maybe it is but it still has to be challenged it, it's it still has to uh be explored and not just taken taken for granted but but it it's it's predicated on on the on the fact that, that that you need to have everyone uh respect each other and understand that it's not about status it's not about us it's just about ideas it's for the good of the company and not just what what we thought of.
0: Yeah, because we really don't care who whose idea was that. You know, we really don't care, you know, who had who was right in the end. We care if we were right in the end uh, accepting a, a good idea. And this is why why I really like you know even the name of our meeting that is called design fight. <laughs> like, even in the name of the meeting we encourage fighting <laughs> like really discussing things and, and challenging each other.
1: Right, right, and uh, another another one w- w- like that was uh, this this notion that ask for problems, not solutions. Right, like it, it's it's completely the other way around in, in most organizations. Like they uh, they uh, uh, th- there's this thing where when when they ask like random people to to fill in words in, uh, don't give me blank, give me blank, and like everyone knew is like don't. Don't, don't don't give me problems uh, like bring me solutions right but it's just so the other way around like you need inquiry before advocacy like you you, you can't just like it, it, it's the same thing as what we talked about in the beginning you you can't just lock in on the first thing that comes to your mind and think that this is great right you have to be comfortable with the fact that no we bring you problems like that's that's what we do we're not perfect we have problems and like everyone should feel um, extremely comfortable with bringing problems. Like no one should feel like, oh, I, I maybe I shouldn't mention this because I'll, I'll hurt somebody's feelings. You know, of my boss. Like if you have that in your organization, that's that's a broken organization, right? You have to bring problems and and have again the idea of the problem kind of incubate and, and let people think about it and like let it like this procrastinate for a while if it's not urgent to like promote divergent thinking to have different possible solutions spring up. Don't focus on solutions too early, right? Focus on the problem, and then the solution will will emerge. The best solution, and not just the first solution.
0: It's. It, I just remember, you know, like on these on these meetings on our design fight. Whenever Rafa, our VP of product, is driving me mad because he is always seeing an edge case, you know, <laughs> an edge case scenario. So I'm like, no. I mean, I had this idea already, you know, perfectly ironed out, and then he comes with an edge case scenario. Like, yes, Michael, but if this and this happens, then what would what do we do? And
1: I'm like. Oh, come on, don't spoil this for me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. But, but, but but it it's so important. Uh, like like recently, we've been exploring this this one idea and I've been thinking of it, and like i I um I've been trying to to work the problem for a while. i I didn't get too many solutions. Uh, what, what I had is a lot of questions, a lot of possible problems, possible edge cases. I, I just like put this big document of 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 questions and problems, and like, things to, to, to think of uh, for the whole group. I didn't have solutions. I tried and I I didn't get too much. But I, I made this thing so that everyone could read it and like have have it like be in their minds that okay, well like when, when they have an idea, how does it fare against this uh, issue or, or or this criterion, right? Uh, and it, it's it's so important. Like you, you just you, you have to do this. <laughs> yeah totally. Um so um and
0: one of the things I really liked also about the the, the book was that there were some, um, I mean, something relevant to me is that, you know, I have two kids and uh, there were uh, things how, how you should um, cultivate originals in your kids. I mean, how you, you know, ha- help them, you know, uh, be original, you know, have original ideas and cultivate the ideas with them. And one of the things was that um, how to cultivate empathy, you know, and that, you know, when some, when, when a child does something correctly, don't just say you know you've done it right but like uh, also praise the character so you are the person who's doing things right right i mean you are the person who's who uh, like to, so that the, the the child identifies you know himself or herself with the character you know that, that with the badge that you're, you're you're giving them and uh it's it's a small thing it's a small difference right but actually it makes sense that uh, you know uh, you know don't steal because stealing is bad. You know, don't steal because you don't want to be a thief. Now, do you? Right? I mean, like this is like, um, like you know, stealing once. You know, come on, no pasa nada. Doesn't matter.
1: Uh, it, it was kind of uh, described as like the one thing is uh, logic of consequence versus logic of character or something like that. That it's important to convey that it's not like oh, I shouldn't do it because if I do this thing, people might like there are consequences, someone might, might, might uh, I might be caught and like, then this happens or, or that happens, like, um, but if, if you have this mindset of, of, of character, like, is it something that people like me do, then like you have like more, more of, a, of a context of a, uh, of a structure that uh, I, I, I don't do this thing because like, it, it's way I am, right? It focuses on, on values, like overarching, like values. Uh, that, that that define like from which like uh, which are like your values are like first principles from which other things naturally flow versus you know don't do this because x
0: yeah and and th- that's why that's why uh for me especially i mean you know not only with with adults but especially with children it's uh, it's really important i um i see my kids uh, being really you know good kids uh still you know of course they make mistakes like everyone does but uh, but now I see how I should be speaking to them and one of the things also mentioned in the book was uh, something that you know we've already discovered is that the kids aren't stupid they are small but they aren't stupid so treat them as not stupid people you know <laughs> talk to them you know explain things to them you know don't, uh, don't just say don't do it because I say so tell them don't do it because and then you know explain the situation and right. explain how somebody else might feel if they do something wrong or because we are we, we, you are not the person that kind of person that does that. You know, talk to them. And I I find it like so refreshing. I mean I'm so conscious about it right now. Whenever I talk to my my daughters, now after I've read the book, I see the difference, you know. In the moment I say, just don't do it, they're like, hmm. But in the moment I say, don't do it because you see if you do that, you know so you see what happens. And then you, do you think it's right? And and it's a totally different reaction. Like, they 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 understand. They know where I'm coming from, and then they just right. stop. I mean, it's 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 it works like a miracle, like magic.
1: And I'm, I'm I'm glad you're you're aware of it because it's it's like so so damaging. I I I remember like being pissed off whenever like someone in. Um, authority like a parent or, or a teacher would 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 justify things from the position of authority like yeah. don't do this. like just don't do this. I said so. Like don't do this because you'll be punished right like, it's it's like uh, it's terrible on, on so many levels. And when you explain like you actually teach your children like why like the, the real reason, right? why? Yeah, and
0: um, I'm I'm just I'm just surprised how 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 it works, and, and and now that I do it you know more consciously, it's just it just works, it's just it's good, and it also forces me to 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 re- reevaluate you know why also to 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 ask myself you know before I tell it to the to the kid.
1: Hmm. So the, the, the last thing I wanted to, to mention before we wrap up, um, and there's been a lot more ideas, so I, I really recommend reading the, the book. Uh, but those are just some of the uh, the, the, the best hits uh, for us. But uh, there's this, uh, this idea that you have to motivate yourself differently when you're committed versus when you're uncertain. And this is something like w- me and you have been talking, kind of disagreeing uh, on when uh, you, a lot of the, the times you're like, like hey, like often at at Nosby you were like all like pessimistic and and stuff and like hey like look we're actually doing well and blah 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 blah, but like uh, the the thing is you you should approach it like differently based on uh, how you feel right when your commitment is is wavering when you stop believing in yourself like yeah. That's what you should do. You should motivate yourself. You should look back at the progress you've already made and think of something exciting and seek encouragement from from outside and be like, go, 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 right? We're doing great. But when the commitment is not wavering, when you believe in yourself, when you're set on the goal and like you are committed, you're doing it, be a pessimist because you Mm -hmm. look at the progress that you still that's left to be done. Like, look at the you know, be aware of the potential problems uh, it, it like if if you're a defensive pessimist it 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 forces you to be aware of of those potential problems forces you to to mitigate them to prepare yourself for things that that could go wrong and then you fix them and then they they don't happen right and and but but not despite the fact that you're a pessimist because of it because you are. You are focused on on seeing the problems that might be there, right? And, and again, like it if it if it like messes with, with you and you feel like oh man, like everything is terrible, and you stop believing in yourself, then you need encouragement. But when you are committed, you don't need more encouragement. You're already committed. So be a defensive pessimist and be aware of of all of the problems and all of the issues and and, and like all of the weaknesses and uncertainties and threats